0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Diet Riot Podcast with Alyssa Miller and Brooke Miller, both dietitians, both moms, both live in Denver, both from the Midwest. Both here doing this podcast for you, <laughs> yeah. And today we have a special guest, um, Stephanie, and we'll kind of throw it over to her to introduce herself. But Stephanie and I met in Las Vegas at whoop whoop, yes, party people <laughs> during my <laughs> internship. So she was the dietitian who like kind of led me and signed off on all of my notes. Um, and then you actually told me to read the book Intuitive Eating back in 2013. And that is when I started getting into it was actually because of you. So thank you for that. Wow. Without you, this podcast would not exist. Yes, exactly.
1: That's funny. I don't know that I knew that. So thanks for sharing that.
0: Yeah. You told me to read that book. And then I think there was another book. Um, I think it was intuitive eating for sure. And then maybe there were some like other articles or blogs that you sent me to, but it was near the end of my internship and I got really into it. And then I just, started referring other people to the book. And I remember giving it, I bought the book and then gave it to my mom and then I never got it back. So there was that, <laughs> um, <that's laughs> so I don't, sounds me. about right. Yeah, yes,
1: I've probably given out 20 copies of that book and just keep buying a new one every time.
0: I yeah. know, I'm like, I'm never gonna be able to hold on to that book because I keep giving it away to people, but that's okay. <laughs> well, yeah, tell us a little bit, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about um, you and your background and what you're doing now.
1: Yeah, so my name is Stephanie. Um, Stephanie Michelle is uh, my website, stephanemichellerd.com, And um, I right now am working uh, in private practice as both a dietitian and a counselor. And just in the last two or three years, segued into more of that mental health side um, of working with people uh, with food and body challenges. But like so many of us, uh, I was inspired by sort of my own challenges uh with food and eating and disordered eating and went into nutrition hoping that that would sort of solve my own uh issues and it it really didn't um it sort of progressed the more i studied it i think sometimes the more we study nutrition the more we feel like we don't understand it um Mm -hmm. kind of progressed that way for me where things got a little obsessive and i kept waiting for the mental health side of things to come through in school or in our internships and at least for me in my programs it just was never talked about or addressed. Uh, So I finally went back and um, studied sort of the mental health side myself and have now moved into working um, with sort of this nutrition meets psychology uh, approach in what I do.
0: So that's the really short version. Yeah I think that's really true. I think dietitians, I myself went into nutrition because I couldn't stop reading about it and like did not understand it at all. So wanted to learn way more. And I do think we found um, the further we get into this work is like a lot of the dietitians either started because they already had an eating disorder or being in school actually led them to further disorder their eating. So I think that's been kind of a common theme amongst dietitians. Usually being in school for it sometimes can almost make us a little bit more (laughs) attuned to our disordered eating or make it more like that orthorexia you know, go down that line of like, Oh, I'm only eating these super healthy foods, which can be super damaging as well. So yeah. And even like, I feel like I always did kind of a trial and error. Not that I I don't ever think I really had strong disordered eating, but I would say, Oh, well, I'm going to be vegetarian for a while because I want to know how it feels for my clients. I want to be able to relate to them. Like I did whole 30 for the same reason. I want to be able to know the pros and cons and relate. And so looking back, Maybe I was wanting my body to change or wanting some things, but I was never like a chronic dieter and I never, I don't think I ever became obsessive, but I definitely was like using that as an Is I want to know what my clients are feeling like and I want to know how to relate to people. So
1: yeah. And I think you bring up a good point that it almost always starts with the desire to change something about the body. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this for a long time, but it only hit me relatively recently that like it's all kind of rooted in that. When we get stuck in chronic dieting cycles, um, if we have uh, disordered eating patterns, like it really is rooted in in body image. It almost always starts there um, for most people. Uh, When we're talking about more of the diagnosed eating disorders, it gets more complex, as I'm sure you both know. But I think for most people who are sort of straddling that line between Um, normal, healthy eating and, and diagnosed eating disorders, you're falling somewhere in the middle. It's rooted in just body image stuff first. And you start looking for the solution that's going to get you physically where you want to go. And now you're just on this dieting roller coaster um, for years, years turn into decades. um, And it's just never the solution, right? We have to eventually do some, some deeper work and get back to what's uh, normal, intuitive, right? In order to heal.
0: Yeah, and do you find that when you start working with clients, do you dive into more of the, like, mental mental illness aspect or psychology aspect first and then kind of go into gentle nutrition? Do you find that that's the most successful for, for people?
1: Yeah, I mean, as we know, with intuitive eating, the nutrition is always sort of coming last, which is one of mm-hmm. the most exciting things about it, I think. Um, but it kind of depends on why people are coming to see me. I have people reaching out who have diagnosed eating disorders. Um, that was sort of where I got started working more with diagnosed eating disorders for sort of the last um, few years or so and have segued more into, um, just chronic dieting now and body image challenges, but it sort of depends on what someone's reaching out for, Uh, so I'd say with eating disorders, we're always stabilizing things first, getting into more of the, uh, nutrition a little bit more quickly. And then, um, with chronic dieting, sometimes we don't talk about it at all and it just becomes, uh, a counseling relationship right from the start. And it always surprises people. I think, uh, when they realize how much food and their challenges with food and body have really become, uh, symbolic substitutes right, for things that they're not really looking at in their life becomes a distraction. You right. know, start another diet, write out the next meal plan. Um, it's it's a distraction from some of the things we, we're not yet willing to look at in our life. So. And are,
0: are most your clients that come to you, do they know that you specialize in intuitive eating? Or are they like super surprised? They're like, I'm going to see a dietitian. She's going to put me on a diet. And then, psych, now we're actually going to talk about your life.
1: (laughs) I know. I know. It's such a split. I'd say as I've sort of like narrowed my niche um, over the last few years, more people are finding me for the intuitive eating thing specifically. People now are looking for it and or looking for um, weight neutral practitioners and folks who are aligned with health at every size. So a lot more people are finding me for that work specifically now, but I would say there's still... Maybe half of the people I work with who are first reaching out, uh, f- you know, just for a dietitian for weight loss, for a meal plan. Um, and I'm pretty upfront and honest about how I work with people uh, so that nobody's blindsided. Um, <laughs> that's probably good. <laughs> that's not really what I do. Uh, but it, I think it, again, the word intuitive is built right in, right? So I think it's, it is intuitive. And when people start hearing how it works and what it is, light bulbs start going off, interest peaks, you know, and they're interested in learning more. So it kind of sells itself once um, it's introduced for most people, I would say. Hopefully yeah. that answers question.
0: Yeah. I just think it's so bizarre that like as infants and babies, we just naturally intuitively eat and then diet culture just messes us up completely. So then the thought of intuitive eating seems so crazy, but it's like, no, we just, we got messed up along the way. This is how we were born. And even like nursing my son, like he stops when he's full or he Mm -hmm. falls off. Or even now he, um, at daycare, he holds his own bottle of breast milk and then he'll just, he'll pull it off when he's needs a break. And then he'll, you know, start eating it again. And it's Mm -hmm. so cool to see that sometimes he just doesn't finish his bottle because he's full. And so it's, and you, you know, you see that more with an older child. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've worked really hard on, protecting that in my son who, you know, we're all, I really do believe we're all born intuitive eaters or at least have that biological drive to eat. Um, mostly there are maybe like a tiny handful of kids that, um, need a little extra help, especially premature babies. But for the most part, we we have that biological drive to eat. And so with my son, I've worked really hard. He's four now to protect that, um, in him and try to protect him from diet culture or my own food rules from getting into his life because it's so much harder to dig, to dig yourself out of that hole than to just stay level-headed <laughs> throughout your life. Now, obviously, I'm not going to be able to protect him forever. And I'm sure there are things I'm overlooking because I myself have been in diet culture. And you know, just as a dietitian too, I think I'm more exposed to it. So we've talked before on this podcast, I probably have some food rules I don't even know that I have um, that he'll have to pick up on, but it's so good just to be able to bring that awareness in, And be able to spot it, identify it, put a name to it, and try to overcome it and kind of get out of that diet culture mentality. So I know we wanted to kind of talk in this podcast, um, this episode specifically about busting some myths around health at every size and intuitive eating. Um, What do you think the biggest one you're usually met like with resistance on or what people think when you tell them what you do, (laughs) Um, what do you usually see out there? Yeah,
1: I would say um, it shows up a lot when I'm working with adolescents uh, because parents come back at me saying, what are you teaching my kiddo? You know, Yes. Uh, it's usually that that intuitive eating is inherently harmful or that health at every size, you know, approaches or weight neutral approaches are harmful, Uh, that what you're teaching could be dangerous, right, or that it could cause more harm than good um, is, is what I hear most often. And it's simply rooted in misconceptions of what it is, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's hard. And I'm sure both of you can attest to this too, that when you're kind of first exposed to not just intuitive eating, but health at every size now as this sort of social justice movement, um, more and more practitioners becoming totally weight, neutral fat acceptance movements. Like it's hard to wrap your head around when you're first exposed to it. Um, because it just is such a massive paradigm shift from everything that we've always heard and known in diet culture. Um, and so I think when you're first introduced to these concepts, it's it the first thing your brain goes to is like, that doesn't sound healthy. Mm-hmm, right. Totally. What, about, what about our health? So I'd say that's the biggest one I hear. Maybe we can Yeah. Talk.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like I hear that a lot too and like with intuitive eating I feel like the biggest misconception is it's a free for all, you're just going to eat whatever you want, you just lack control, it's an excuse for somebody who doesn't want to be um, on a regimented diet, it's somebody who's too lazy to follow a meal plan and doesn't have willpower. And so I think that's the misconception I get is that people just assume that you're just giving up on your health and your in your body and you just don't care. And that health at every size is just not caring about what people think about you, which, you know, part of that is, is true. Like we need to not care so much about what people, you know, think of our outer appearance, but it's more than that. And I think people just think it's like a screw diet culture, screw what other people think. I'm just going to live my life and um, I don't care if I'm healthy or not. And that's the misconception I feel like I see a lot about you. Yeah, I think i um, kind of a little bit of both of what you guys said is just people being so afraid, so afraid to let go of those diets, because if I let go of my diet, then I'm not taking care of myself. And I think that is really um, a hard juxtaposition to get people to realize that, hey, that diet is actually doing you more harm than good. And we've taught from such a young age and, and had so much fear mongering around what we should be eating and what we shouldn't be eating and how this food will give us cancer. I mean, there is literal people out there spreading absurd messages about food, you know, food dyes and food additives and food, you know, whatever processing that it'll kill you. I mean, you have one Oreo and up, oh, you're basically gonna get cancer. And it's like, people are so afraid of food instead of listening to their own body, they're listening to someone else. And I think, I think that's really scary for people. I think the biggest issue that I have to continue to tell moms, since mostly I work with moms and um, their kids is like, Hey, our bodies are built for this. Our bodies are built to eat. Our bodies are built to maintain a healthy weight for us and ourselves. And you don't need to listen to someone else tell you what you need for your body. You're the only one experiencing the feeling of your being in your own body. So what does that feel like for you? And what do you want to accomplish? And what goals do you want to set for you and your body and how you feel? Because yeah, I'm a dietitian. And I can sit here and tell you the food qualities, the micronutrients, macronutrients, the vitamins, minerals of all these different foods, but I can't tell you what feels good for you and your body and when it feels good and when it feels full and when it feels hungry and what it needs to survive. And I just think it's really sad um, to see people think that I don't know how to take care of my own body. I need someone else to come in and tell me. And that's really scary for people, right? So it's really cool. I think intuitive eating is like, we're not throwing health at every size. We're not throwing health out the window. We're saying you know what's best for your body. You just have to remember how to get there. So, Yeah, and I wanted wanted to ask Stephanie, like, what are your thoughts about, so since we are all registered dietitians, we have a four-year degree or more. We have an internship. We passed our boards. Like, we have all of this education on nutrition, and there are really good um, intuitive eating uh, people out there who don't have a nutrition degree, but they're amazing um, at what they do how do you think it is juggling like having our background, having this degree in nutrition, knowing what we know, and then also teaching intuitive eating? Because I feel like it's – we we can dive into gentle nutrition, whereas maybe other, like, other people that are preaching intuitive eating, maybe that's not the direction they go afterwards. Maybe they just focus on intuitive eating. You don't really go into gentle nutrition. But sometimes I feel like it's um, – it's a misconception that we just kind of throw out our degree. Like when we go into intuitive eating, uh, we don't care about nutrition. We don't care about using our degree. Um, So like, what are your thoughts about the misconceptions of like still using our degree? It's still being valid, but also preaching these things.
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. And I think because like intuitive eating, like it's been around since 1995, right? So it's Mm -hmm. not like brand new, Um, But what is kind of brand new is how it's kind of become this huge thing, like it's everywhere right now. It's all over social media. It's becoming its own fad, if you will. Hopefully it won't be a fad, but um, it's just showing up in so many different places that now I'm seeing it get really misconstrued or misinterpreted, um, by a lot of people who are teaching what it is. And I think what people see on social media is very different from what you experience with a dietitian or a counselor who's teaching intuitive eating in a, in a practice. Like if you're actually with somebody, your experience is going to be different. Or if you read the book, um, like a lot of people I think who teach intuitive eating haven't actually read the book or, (laughs) which is crazy. It's so good. (laughs) No. Um, I mean, there's a training. You're supposed to go do the training and work with Evelyn Tripley, and uh, Elise, and um, not everybody has actually um, read it, right? So I think there's this little gap now between what it is and what's being presented. Um, But part of that is also that it became a social justice movement, right, around, like, letting go of all of this diet culture nonsense. And so anytime something gets caught in um, social justice, we're going to see these really extremes um, around just eat all the food, eat whatever you want, F your gluten-free diet, F your healthy diet, right? I don't want to see your green juices. And it just gets um, extreme. And it's just because we're, you know – trying to quiet the noise of diet culture, which it takes a lot, um, because diet culture is so big and so loud. Um, But if I come all the way back around to your question again, um, I think that nutrition is still a primary focus in intuitive eating, but it's an additive approach now, right? It's an add what's missing approach. So I'm very much working with nutrition with people, but it's an add what's missing, let's make nutrition and nutrient dense foods non-negotiable over time, but you're just not restricting anything anymore, right? You're letting yourself have what you're craving and have um, the freedom to live your life and enjoy the food that is available in our food culture. Um, and But then we're gonna work on making sure that you're at least getting stuff into your body that is gonna make you feel your best. And I've listened to a, not all of your episodes yet, but I have listened to a lot of them. Um, and I know you guys have talked a lot about that, right? I think one of the first things you've said is, um, the best diet is what makes you feel your best. I don't know which one of you said that, but, um, that's what we're doing with intuitive eating, right? It's just, um, figuring out what works for you and the nutrition science definitely, definitely plays a role in that, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love what you are talking about with this like culture shift going into like the social justice movement. I think it's great and I love watching it happen, but it, you're exactly right. It, it gets to these extremes and that's watching these pendulums swing. We all grew up with the pendulum. I, I'm assuming you're around our age, but grew up with this pendulum so far to this dieting side of, I don't eat any fat, zero fat diet. I, you know, it's so restrictive and so strong. We're now we're coming all the way back to the other direction, which I think I would prefer the dieting side, but now this pendulum is going all the way to the other end where it's like, I just eat whatever I want, whenever I want it. And they forget the listen to your body part and honoring your hunger and knowing you and yourself. And so, yeah, you're right. It's like F that F this I'm going to eat a donut. I'm going to do this. And it's like, yeah, that's an important step in intuitive eating and, you know, trying to unlearn diet culture. And I was listening to this podcast where Evelyn Triboli was like, there's a reason why gentle nutrition comes last. There's a reason why it's the 10th principle. You need to unlearn all the crap that you've been inundated with since birth um, and all these food rules that you've built up around yourself that you may not even know are there. But gentle nutrition is still a principle in intuitive eating. And so is honoring your hunger and listening to your body and really paying attention to how those foods actually affect you. And I think so often people forget that step. They want to skip it and they just want to eat whatever they want, whenever they want. It, which is part of it. That's totally fine, <laughs> but it's important for you to listen to your body because then you are throwing health out the window. Then you are throwing your own feelings and and um, the way that your body's functioning out the window when really it can be used as such an awesome tool if you're willing to listen to your own body.
1: And it's why these conversations I think are so important because it's so complex, right? Sometimes the more you talk about it, the more lost you get, and then you got to come back to the foundations again. And for everybody, the process is so different, right? Intuitive eating can be done uh, a thousand different ways and it's right every time, right? That's what I love about it. It's like, you can't fail at this because you're just learning the whole time, right? There is exactly. no there are principles, but there kind of aren't principles. It's sort of like, by definition, the absence of principles and rules and guidelines, um, but we have to have those principles to write a book, right? So there they are there Yeah trying to figure out how to get back to what, what works, right? And it's so hard because it's this relinquishment of trust, right? We've put all of our trust in following these plans and guidelines and diets and getting advice from here and there and wherever. And and intuitive eating is asking you to, to drop all of that now and turn back in, you know, to be able to listen to yourself. Um, and it's scary, right? It's unfamiliar, uh, and it's just there's nothing easy about it. And it is why back to your question Brooke I think it's important that people are um, seeking support from folks who really know what they're doing with this because um, I think sometimes it can end up being more harmful than helpful if you're working maybe with somebody who Who doesn't fully
0: understand what this is all about? Right. Yeah. Do you have any tips on how to identify you know, like a lot of people are like you said on Instagram seeing it blow up on social media or um, whatnot. Do you have any tips on how to identify someone who's practicing and teaching intuitive eating in the correct way um, versus people who are selling it for maybe the wrong purposes, or maybe they don't know what they're talking about?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's such a hard question too, because for me, like I know what I would look for, but I also wouldn't want to just make a blanket statement about throwing somebody who doesn't have the letters behind their name. Sure. Sure under the bus. So I think your gut and your intuition, but perhaps do a little digging into maybe what the background is, how long they've been doing it. Did they do intuitive eating certifications or trainings, registered dietitian, licensed counselor? Uh, You can't go wrong there. Um, But sometimes, you know, we've, we've discovered something, we've tried it on, it worked for us. And I think that that can also make you credible, not, all the time. Right. But uh, I wouldn't want to discount folks who have um, utilized it in their own life with great success and are now trying to share that love. Um, It's a hard question. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. uh, Sorry, just real quick. I know a big one for me, a red flag is if someone's telling you to use intuitive eating to lose weight, that's usually where I say, okay, this person, if their whole focus is still focused on weight loss, Um, and body image issues, but they're using intuitive eating as a way to get there, then that's probably someone that you may want to have a second thought about going to for your counseling. Um, It's not, and I had a great response on one of the people who I follow on Instagram, responded to a great question where it was like, I want to lose weight, not because of vanity, but I don't feel good in my own body. I know this isn't my set point weight. What do I do about that? And she was just so great about like, that's okay and that's a valid feeling that you have that you don't feel good at your current weight and you want to lose weight. But the point of intuitive eating is not losing weight, it's listening to your body. And oftentimes if that's true for you that you're above your set point weight, it will happen naturally over time um, and vice versa if you're underweight as well. But I think that was like a big red flag for me to see practitioners try to use or manipulate intuitive eating to get you to lose weight. Yeah, well, the hard the hard thing about intuitive eating is it's not gonna make billions of dollars like like diet culture is. So like when people buy Adkins or buy a weight, a weight Watchers membership or, you know, download these apps and pay for um, these products, I mean, diet culture is making billions upon billions of dollars. Nobody is really making that much money. off. Of, again, you can coach it and be um, certified and, and make a living off of coaching it, but no like big company is going to be like profiting like Mm -hmm. billions of dollars, like the diet industry is. So I feel like the hard thing about intuitive eating is there's going to be so much pushback from these big companies like Slim Fast and Atkins and Herbalife and like, you name it, Shakeology, like you name these companies, they are going to be pushing back against it because then they're going to lose all their money. If people start realizing the BS of diet culture and realize that, if you buy these products, you're going to fail. Like the, not that you're going to fail, the diet will fail you. So if you buy a Weight Watchers membership, eventually Weight Watchers will fail you. It may take six months or a year or two years, but it will eventually fail. If you do intuitive eating, you're just going to get better and better and better at it. And even like me, six years later, like I'm still getting better at it and still learning about my body, but it hasn't failed me and it won't fail me. However, if I were to jump on Weight Watchers or another bandwagon, it would fail me and I would lose money. (laughs) So totally. How
1: many times have you heard someone say, Oh, I'm going back on Weight Watchers. Yes.
0: We have a whole episode on Weight Watchers. And I think it was like 90% of people do it more than one time. Yep. Yeah. Intuitive eating is one time with a coach and then hopefully sets you up for life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: There's no end point, right? And I think when we come all the way back around to that misconception around it, maybe not being healthy, I always ground everybody back in the research too, right? Because Mm -hmm. the intuitive eating research is so strong, especially when you compare it to what we have to back up diets like Weight Watchers or Slim Fast, right? It's like a two to 5% success rate. Mm -hmm. I think intuitive eating research is up there in the 80 to 90% success rate of, as far as just overall health parameters, right. And wellness indicators. Right. Um, so if we keep grounding ourselves in like the science is speaking too, right. We're not saying just go crazy on food and don't worry about it anymore. It's a psychological shift that starts to happen, right. Where you're just feeling differently about food and eating and cravings and appetite are shifting in new ways. Um, and it's grounded in the science, right? So we always have that to come back on too. Um, and it being a better route than all of those
0: fad diets and diet culture. Well, First. and you think about it. I mean, the amount of money that you spend jumping on and off these wagons, doing 21 fix, day fix. I mean, there's a million things that you could do and spend money on. It's going to fail you eventually. Now you've wasted all that money. I mean, you're so much better off like, paying a coach or doing some online courses or doing like Evelyn and Elise's, um, intuitive eating program. Like you're so much better off spending your money this way and never going on another diet because a, you're going to save way more money in the long run. (laughs) But not only that is like, you're set for life. Like you're just on this journey now and you Mm -hmm. can just say no to all of these things that are going to come your way because there's always going to be something out there. I mean, people are always going to be trying to make money off you, whether it's diet pills or bad diets or supplements. And so they're going to, it's always going to be out there. And it's just learning how to say no to those things and just focus on your own journey and your own body and what works for you. Yeah. Yeah, And I love what you touched on there too. Mental health is a big portion. When people are talking about whether or not diets work, they're usually talking about weight, right? They're saying, oh, that diet worked for me. Well, it worked for me in the sense that I lost 15 pounds, but then six months later, now I'm two pounds heavier than when I started that last diet, when it was quote unquote working. Like your, your version of what's working and what's not is only taking in consideration your weight. Whereas the research behind intuitive eating and health at every size is much more focused on not only your weight, which is a parameter, of course, but then checking in on your actual blood levels, you know, and also checking in on your mental health, And these are huge, huge factors. When you look at research, um, you know, in the health at every size, she talks about the research or or the research that she did, um, basically putting people on more standard diets and trying to lose weight, and then people taking the health at every size approach. And they actually had to stop the research early because of the harm that came to those who are practicing traditional diets, because mentally and and psychologically, they were breaking down, (laughs) they were suffering through it, and they didn't lose as much weight. So it's like, there's no upside here long term to continuing the dieting cycle. So I think I think yeah, that's really a good point. I love that the research is coming out in such support of intuitive eating and health at every size, and love to see where that's all going. Um, the other thing I want to touch on the other kind of myth or mythbuster we can do about <laughs> intuitive eating is um, exercise. I think um, Brooke and I talk about this a lot, but people need to really uncouple the idea of exercise and weight loss. And I think when people think about becoming intuitive eaters, they think exercise goes out the window too. Have you heard, have you seen that with some of your clients?
1: Um, I think there is sort of a phase where people just kind of like throw up their hands to everything, self-care and taking care of themselves just because they're finally given permission to just do whatever they want. Um, but I have seen some phases play out, right? The first one is usually like confusion and then like anger, <laughs> <Anyway, laughs> anyway, anger is usually third. It's usually, um, fear or anxiety somewhere in there and then sure. and then resolution. Right. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the exercise thing is difficult. Um, I don't know what you wanted to say about it, but what I've found is, um, most helpful is giving people a break from, um, working out the way maybe they have been for a long time. If it was always self punishing And then when I'm working with people, I always am doing a lot of embodiment work, right? Like just taking a few minutes to get them in their body in every session. Because if you can connect, like if if you just like put your arms up right now and like stretch. I
0: haven't (laughs) showered today yet, sorry. It feels
1: good immediately,
0: Yeah.
1: right? And so if I can get people connecting to like, oh, like just for that second, that felt really good then like that's enough. Right. And sometimes we start with something super small to just check in with your body, do a stretch once or twice a day. Um, And if you can keep that going and make sure that it feels really positive, then you see people feeling more inspired to increase that just a little bit. Right. Maybe one push-up, Right. Maybe one little sun salutation. And then it's turning into like a 20 minute floor routine over time or taking a walk. Um, But it's hard when there's a lot of body trauma. Right. It's difficult to disconnect that tether between weight loss and self punishment and physical activity being something that just feels good. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too, and how you're working with people.
0: Well, I think I like, for instance, I always grew up, I had a personal trainer when I was 15. Exercise has always been such an important part of my life because I was an athlete. I loved sports. So for me, exercise was a way to become better at my sport. And then after I quit um, softball in college, then exercise was just like my habit. So I didn't really enjoy going to the gym. I just did it because I just, it was part of my routine. And then after college, actually during my internship with you, I started doing more like hot yoga and realized like, oh my gosh, yoga feels so good. And, and now I don't do hot yoga because I just can't handle the (laughs) heat anymore. (laughs) But now I've realized like, I don't, I can go to a gentle yoga class with 70-year-olds and not necessarily sweat a lot, but I feel so incredible after. And I think for me, my misconception was always that I needed to sweat a lot to get a good workout. And then when I realized like, no, I think it's better for my mental health and for my body to just do a lot more yoga or whatever it may be, swimming, like, and you shit, know, great right? right? mm-hmm. shit
1: what you want to do
0: just changes. It doesn't have to stay consistent. Exactly. And it's totally changed throughout my life cycle. Like sometimes I'm doing way more yoga. Sometimes I'm doing more bar, like you name it. And I go through cycles, but I think that now I'm just starting to listen to my body and like what feels good for me right now. And I don't, I don't feel guilt anymore. And I used to, and that was another thing I struggled with is I would feel guilt. If I had the flu and missed a workout, I would feel guilty about it. And I had this fear that I would all of a sudden gain weight. So even though I was like pretty comfortable in my own skin, I had this fear. If I miss working out for a week, I'm going to gain weight, even though that's not really true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uncoupling that idea of like, if I miss a week's worth of workouts, I'm not necessarily going to gain 20 pounds. And the same with eating, like intuitive eating. Um, I have weeks where I eat a lot more fruits and vegetables and then I have weeks where I'm traveling and I just don't. And I feel awful, you know, at the end of the week of travel and eating fast food, I feel awful. Um, so I'm like listening to my body and realizing that, but, um, I I don't have that fear anymore. And I think it's so freeing to like live a lifestyle where you're not feeling guilt and shame over missing a workout and you're not feeling fear over food or exercise. And it's just such a good feeling. And so, you know, I think that why, we're educating people is because we want other people to feel that too. And, and just get over the anxiety and guilt and fear and shame around food and exercise. And again, yeah, I think so many people couple them together that you have to eat less, work out more. And that's just what we have been told our entire life is Mm -hmm. you need to eat less and exercise more. And that's the only way to be successful. And it's like, that's not true at all. Like all or nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Like diet
1: culture exercise is So very like 30 days or 90 days or like finish this program from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that gets us stuck, right? Whereas we just check in each day and go, am I tired today? Do I have a lot of energy today? Do I want to do a really difficult CrossFit class today? Or do I just want to stretch on the floor for a minute today? Right. And if we're just checking in, there doesn't have to be any, you know, 30 day program of the same day in order to be successful at exercise or movement. So it sounds like that's the journey that you've been on. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Just kind of checking in with what feels good at any given time for you.
0: Yeah, I think um, Brooke and I actually have an episode if you guys scroll all the way back about exercise and kind of talk a little bit more about our stories. But I think that's so important. What you just said is like that can both be honoring to your body. One day where you do a super hard workout is honoring to your body. And then another day where you just rest and literally do nothing, that can also be honoring. And then anywhere in between, it's completely up to you and your body. And that comes back to kind of what we were talking about eating, it's like with exercise, we've all, for some reason, come across this idea that we're not enough, that we don't know what our body needs, someone else needs to tell us. And then we do sign up for these 30 day challenges or whatnot, and then we miss one and we fail and we feel like a failure. We throw the whole thing out the window and we call ourselves a failure what? Like, this is so crazy. Our bodies ebbs and flow and, and go through these cycles that are important to our bodies. That's normal for us to go through um, cycles with food and cycles with working out and cycles with hormones and aging and all these things. That is life. This is the life that we live. So um, one of the things that I've heard um, people talk about is with intuitive eating that to avoid diet culture, they stop eating things like salad and they stop eating things like green juice and they stop working out because they all associate that with diet mentality. And although that we've talked about a little bit is that's so important in the beginning of throwing out kind of those, de- those diet mentalities and what diet culture has kind of sold us as a lie. And maybe that does include giving up salads for a while because you feel like you should be eating a salad. So then don't eat a salad. But at some point, it's okay if you're saying, oh, I really want something light and crunchy and cold and a salad sounds really good. It's okay to enjoy that salad because you want to enjoy the salad. It's all about that intention behind it. And I think that's true of working out too. Um, and I did just want to say one of my favorite kind of quotes or things that hang, like um, hangs out there about exercise is, would you still do this exercise if you knew it wouldn't change your body? And I think that's such a powerful visual to us of why am I exercising am I doing it to manipulate my body or am I doing it because it feels so good to stretch or do yoga or go for a walk or go for a run you know what are your intentions behind it and would it would you still do it if it's not going to change the way that you look I love that That, yeah (laughs) I did not come up with it
1: No, I've used something very similar where we're just saying like a visualization around if you already were in your ideal body, whatever the heck that means to you, right? Um, right. We're trying to set that up over time, but if you were there, how would you be taking care of yourself? Like, how would it change the energy of what you do every day? If you know your God or a crystal ball, right, came and said, "Oh, look, here you are. You're in this perfect body now forever." How does that change your life? Like, what are you focusing on now? What are you thinking about now? What are you doing differently? Um, and it, it's tear jerking for people sometimes to think about, wow, like I'm really just neglecting so many things, right. In the pursuit of just focusing
0: on weight or body stuff. So I love that. Yeah. And Good some, point. Of, some of my training and courses I've taken, they talk about that exact same thing. It's so, it's such a powerful place to put yourself is how would you treat yourself differently? And some of the things that I've heard people talk about is like, why well, I, I would buy new clothes. My clothes don't fit me. And it's like, well, of course you feel uncomfortable in your body. If your clothes are too tight, if you're uncomfortable in your own clothes and you're waiting to buy new clothes to wait until you're in this body that you may never be in. And for your whole life, you're in uncomfortable clothes. You refuse to buy new ones. There's holes in them or your underwear doesn't fit. I've heard so many women talk about buying new underwear. can be So freeing underwear that actually fits me or isn't super old because you're just waiting until you're in that body. So I think that's a really powerful thing that we're avoiding those basic needs or basic self-care until we're in a better place with our body. And it's like, now's the time. (laughs) Now's the time to take care of our body and feel good because otherwise we're just digging deeper and deeper holes and and making yourself feel horrible for longer.
1: Live as if, right? Like live Mm -hmm. as if you're already where you want to be because this body matters too, like, you know, grounding yourself in your here and now body and just today and what's going on for you in this moment, right? Riot of life happening right now. It's all we've got, right? So I love that you're saying that like, we have to respect wherever body is, it's manifesting our story, you know, and it's, it is where it is. Can we just shine a little bit of love? I don't know if you guys know Caroline Dooner, the F it diet. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we follow them. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: I didn't know her name, so I know okay. the epithet diet, but yes. Yeah.
1: So she has this great visualization. I don't know if it was on one of her social medias or like on her book or something, but um, to have you write a letter from your body to yourself, meaning drop into how your body must feel about how, to it and how you treat it and how it has felt your whole life, right? Because our body's always fighting so hard to take care of us every single day, right? Like even fat storage is just body loving you saying, you must be so stressed. I'm going to put some fat away for another day, right? It's just stored potential energy. Like our body is just looking out for us every day, every minute, and we're just so unkind to it. Mm -hmm. I use that one a lot with clients now because... I don't know if that was hers or if it came from somewhere else, but it's, it's brilliant. And it
0: is a very healing exercise. Yeah, I'm sure. And intuitive eating is so it, you come alongside your body and work with your body and not against it. And all diets, all diets are working against your body. It's literally saying, I know you're hungry, but hold off. I know you're hungry, but try drinking a glass of water. I know you're hungry, but go ahead and snack on this rice cake, you know, and try to make it through. And it's like no, it's a biological drive to eat because you're hungry and your body needs fuel. And intuitive eating says, hey, when you're hungry, go ahead and eat. (laughs) You know, and you actually start working with your body. And there's something really powerful about that. Yeah,
1: I think we like imagine if we. Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, you're good. Imagine if we did that with our bladder, right, or our bowels. (laughs) (laughs) Put you on a poop and pee diet, right? to pee and poop like right when you wake up and you can only go every three hours and you can't poop after 7 p.m <laughs> totally disconnect from those signals but what's going on with our gut and hunger and satiety and appetite it's the same right it's mm-hmm. just the body telling you what it needs but we're so disconnected from that system now right when everybody out there is telling us what's
0: best for the body Yeah, and I think just so many of us just take for granted, like, what we do have for our health. So, I actually had a patient today. He started crying to me on the phone because he's lost 75 pounds in the last six months from cancer. And he started crying and he said, I just, I looked at myself naked today and I'm skin and bones. I look like a skeleton. I've wasted away. And he he cried and he said, I just can't weigh myself. I can't bring myself to look at the scale because I've lost so much weight and all I want, all I want right now is to gain weight. And he was like pleading with me and he's like, please do whatever you can to help me gain weight. I just need to be close to what I was before this cancer. Mm -hmm. It's taken everything away from me. And I just, in that moment, I felt so sad. And then I just thought, gosh, like we just take for granted, like what our bodies can do and how healthy we really are. Because he was, he was healthy. And then all of a sudden he has cancer. And now in six months, I mean, he's literally wasted away to nothing. And mm-hmm. what he wouldn't give to just like be in his normal body. He even joked, he said, I was a little overweight before my cancer. And like, what I, he said, what I wouldn't give to be overweight again. Oh, and it's yeah. just like heart wrenching to hear that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that conversation with women before with our job. And you know, she's like, I fought my whole life to be 15 pounds lighter. I have fought my whole life. I mean, I went on every single diet, blah, 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 blah. And now here I am 15 pounds lighter because of the cancer. And it's like, this is not how I intended it. And it's like so hard for them to wrap their brain around that they worked and they wanted this for so long. And now they're sitting 15 pounds lighter and so unhappy. And obviously that's not the case for everybody but it it really is about that perspective of what that weight is doing for you and why your body's holding onto it. It's in cases like this, when your health is compromised or when you're, you know, affronted with something that you can take care of yourself. And yeah, that is really hard. Oh my gosh. I've never heard a man like, Oh, you guys, just my heart was heartbreaking heartbreaking. today. Oh, but yeah. I don't know. Were there any other, um, like myths or misconceptions that you guys really wanted to touch on that we haven't touched on yet? I think, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, we've kind of talked in this in other episodes, but the biggest one I think I see is people really do believe that if they were given the freedom to eat unconditionally with, you know, with all the permission in the world to eat whatever they want, whenever they want it, that they would never stop eating Oreos or I don't know why that's my example to me, <laughs> but um, people really do believe that. And I just want to encourage whoever's listening that I promise you that's not true. I talked about this in another episode. Mine was chips. That was like, I thought I, thought I would never stop eating chips if I gave myself un- unconditional permission to eat chips. And sure enough, I have literally eight bags of half-eaten chips in my house that I just snack on here and there. And if I wanted to, I could totally binge and eat an entire bag, but I don't want that anymore. I, I get a handful I feel satiated and I move on. And I, I think that's a big misconception and, and to remind people that those first few months of learning intuitive eating, maybe you will binge, maybe you will finish the bag of chips or finish the sleeve of Oreos, but that might be a necessary thing to go through to get to the point where you now trust your body and your body trusts you that if it wants something, you'll get it for them and you'll, you'll get it for yourself and you'll sit in that trust and build that trust, trusting relationship so that eventually that pendulum will swing back to then eating what you want when you want it in the right amount to make you feel full and satiated and build that trust. Yeah, and another like piece of advice I would give people, um, it's just like we were talking about earlier, buy clothes that fit you now and that are flattering because they make, clothes that are flattering for every size. And it's just about finding the size that fits you correctly or the style that fits you. And so it's okay to be able to buy a new wardrobe and spend some money on yourself and buy bras that fit and shirts that fit and pants that fit. Um, and, and it's okay to do that for yourself right now. Even this week, I texted Alyssa a picture. I said, I bought a new swimsuit for Jamaica and I bought it online. And it was my normal size that I would normally buy. And I was like, this just looks too tight. I I need to send it back. And so I had to send it back and buy an extra large. And I was like, this is not what I would normally buy, but it it was so much more comfortable and it fit me better. And every brand is so different. And so like, it's okay to ignore the XL or like the size on the label. Just buy something that you feel comfortable in because it's not too tight. So give yourself the unconditional permission to just you know shop for clothes that fit you now. And then I'll yeah I'll turn it over to you.
1: We we don't seem to have that problem with shoes, right? <laughs> I know.
0: Although I'm really self conscious, I have big feet, and so do I you. have huge feet. <laughs> we have like size ten and eleven feet over here, and I'm five mm-hmm. four though. Like that's the issue. I'm not tall. That is true. I'm five ten. Yeah. But still, every time I walk into spin class, they're like, "What size shoe?" And I'm like, "The biggest women's I size know. you have, or they the know. smallest man's size." Thanks. I I actually like used to really hate bowling because I would be too embarrassed to tell them my shoe size because I'm only 5'4". So (laughs) I'll get over it someday.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's funny. No, the clothing conversation is you both made really good last points. And, um, I think if I had a tidbit of, um, something to share at the end of this hour, it would just be that if you're struggling with this separation, uh, or separating kind of weight, And health. Um, to just remember that when you're keeping your focus on health, weight will do its thing, right? It will figure out where it wants to be. Um, and just that health every size intuitive eating is not anti-weight loss. We're just anti-weight focus, right? We're just like taking the focus off of it as it as if it's the problem, um, and putting focus directly on health, right? And just separating weight from health. So how could that possibly be a a bad thing
0: or move anybody in the wrong direction yeah and definitely read health at every size if you guys haven't yet yeah yeah we talk a lot about the intuitive eating book but um health at every size which also is a part of our giveaway um is super is such a great re- resource and um reference point especially I found these books to be really great to pass on to other people if you start getting criticisms and I know moms out there um when you're trying to do this for your kids I know you guys got, get criticism from family and friends of how you're teaching your kids to eat or how you're not, you know, paying attention to what they're eating or whatnot. Um, These are just awesome resources to hand off to other people. And then you don't have to have the conversation, (laughs) you know? So thank you so much for um, being on today, Stephanie. We really appreciate it. You're, you're just very, um, your great calming presence. You seem to really know what you're talking about and thank you for teaching Brooke. So then she can teach me (laughs) and we can get this podcast. Um, And can you tell everyone where to find you again?
1: Yeah. I like blabbed that out right at the beginning, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, stephaniemichellerd.com is, um, my website and I am on Instagram, but very little I'm not, <laughs> not maintaining a consistent presence on social media, but I am there. Stephanie Michelle underscore RD.
0: Awesome. And do you do virtual practices as well or just in person in Wisconsin? No, she's um, oh, she's in Colorado Springs, Springs. <laughs> sorry all of Brooke's friends are from
1: Wisconsin <laughs> right now I'm about 50 50 virtual and um, in person in Colorado Springs
0: awesome all right guys well that was our interview with Stephanie oh my gosh I just love her I miss her that was awesome she's so calming and like clear and concise I feel like you and I can get a little coffee hyper <laughs> So, I always like when our guests are like somber and just very clear and decisive with how they talk about intuitive eating. It's awesome. We always learn so much from our guests, too. So, Thank you so much, Stephanie, for being on. Hope you guys loved it as much as we did. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and then we are still doing our giveaway, or as I like to call it, sweeps. <laughs> yeah, check out our giveaway, you guys. There's a post about it on Instagram. Basically, you need to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast, and then share it on social and make sure to tag us for an extra entry. And you will win a copy of the Intuitive Eating book, Health at Every Size book, some fit snacks, an Amazon gift card, twenty five bucks to Amazon. Who can't? Who? Who doesn't want that? And um, some Diet Riot merchandise, you guys. Pretty exciting. So make sure to enter that giveaway. And we will see you next week with another episode. Oh, wait. Brooke's ready. (laughs) I'm just going to read a few reviews. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to make sure if you review us, write something. When you do the written review, Brooke may read it on air. So you're basically famous. All right. Um, This one says, best approach. Such a well-spoken message and said in a way that reaches individuals that are on that are in all different parts of their health journey. Wow, that one's a nice one. Thanks, That's so nice. Mac baby. <laughs> Mac baby? Mac baby. Yes. Um, this one says, love the intuitive eating topics. I started listening to Diet Right when I really began my intuitive eating journey. I love the episodes they have done on intuitive eating. I love that they bring their expertise and professional knowledge into other diets out there. I'm not a parent or interested in having kids, so those episodes don't pull me in as much. Totally get that. Mm -hmm. And occasional religious talk tears me off. Totally get that too. (laughs) Overall, a wonderful podcast to learn about different ways of eating and how damaging diet culture can be from two professionals. Thank you. And that one's four stars. Yeah, that one is a four star review. And that's okay, because I like the honesty. It's good. It's good to get feedback. And we appreciate all people from all backgrounds coming to listen because I think everything we talk about can pretty much be applied to whatever and then you can, you know, take what serves you and leave the rest exactly yeah so if you're not ever going to be a parent then you can just kind of put your earmuffs on yeah or <laughs> or send it to someone that is a parent no, that's a parent that's a good idea not in a passive-aggressive way but <laughs> here you <laughs> like, really need to you know listen to this. You need this with your parenting <laughs> uh, and then i'll just read one more and then i'll save some more for next time um makes nutrition and food fantastic i think it says um, it's just F dot dot dot. Makes nutrition and food F. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Truly one of the funniest podcasts on iTunes. Yeah, we're comedians. <laughs> That's amazing. It's kind of a hard thing to make food and nutrition an interesting topic. But you know how to turn <laughs> any subject into the perfect blend of comedy and food science. That's amazing. Thank you. That's Thank awesome. you. Who's that from? Uh, Baker. Baker R. All right. Thanks, Baker. Thank you. I do have to say I did put that on our ins- Instagram where I asked if we should be categorized under nutrition or comedy. <laughs> Everyone said comedy. I know. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I know. And, like, I've listened to some really, really good podcasts that are nutrition and science heavy, and they're so – they're really good. But yeah. They're kind of dry, and I'm like, mm – Let's just be real with people. Well, I do have to say, I think we do a good job of keeping it real and like actual real life. Some of those podcasts can get a little, I think actually our um, episode today touched on it, social justice and like political correctness. And not that we don't want to offend anybody. That is never our intention to offend anybody. So let us know if we've ever offended you. But honestly, we just want to be real with you guys, really approachable and make sure that this is information you can actually use in your real life life. Um, cause some of that stuff is so abstract and like in the atmosphere that you're like, okay, but how do I eat now? Like, how do I actually become an intuitive eater? <laughs> and we wanted to make it really tangible for you guys. So anyways, thanks for sending in your reviews guys. Yes, This is so awesome. Much. We will be reading at least a few more in the next episode. So keep leaving funny reviews. And if you leave some food puns, we won't be sad. That's right. <laughs> Um, and then we will pick a winner from the giveaway once we once we reach a hundred ratings. and if you've already le- left gosh, I cannot talk today. If you've already left a written review um, before we started the giveaway, you're automatically entered. So um, yeah thanks guys for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Um, I think next week is Christmas. Oh no, this gosh. week is Christmas. What? what how does the calendar we're, work? We're, <laughs> next week really is New Year's oh oh guys happy christmas eve <laughs> merry like. christmas eve <laughs> oh merry christmas eve oh now we're singing a carol <laughs> we well, wish we, you a merry christmas we, we wish you a, a really Merry Christmas. we already recorded on um new year's revolutions yes. and so that will be coming out yeah it's new a fun year's one week. that was a good one i liked yeah. that one so keep your eyes peeled for that and then we've got some awesome guests coming in 2020 you guys um yeah so we'll see you next week Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. All the things. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Get lots of presents. (laughs) Don't get (laughs) cold. Don't get (laughs) cold.